The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hello and welcome to another riveting edition of Real Real Estate. Today, I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. That's T-O-M-A-R-O. My mother says I should spell it all the time, so I'm spelling it. Um, and I am joined today by Karen Rastel, the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. We're here to talk about all things real estate. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Staying dry? Not really, no. No. It's rained constantly since Saturday. Yes, it has. It's but horrible. We're not as bad as Louisiana, I don't think. No, not yet. But it's freaking annoying. And it, you know what yeah. I'm getting? I'm getting all the calls from the clients who want to go look at those houses that are slightly sketchy and they want to go look at basements. It's a great time of year to look at basements and crawl spaces with all the rain to see if there are any issues. Yeah. So I um, just want to hold off on ordering that appraisal till after. There you go. <laughs> it's dry. Exactly. Exactly. So I had to pull out the boots this weekend because it's just you know usually a sandal weather, but I was feet wet walking around in all the grass. So are you still watching the Olympics? I am. We were just talking about that at lunch, and two of my coworkers, they're not watching anything. Any of it? Any of it. And I said, I've never watched so much swimming in my entire yeah. life. And track and field. Yeah. And the lady that dove over the 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 woman from the U.S., she dove over the finish line. I didn't see that one. I didn't either, but I saw it on the Today Show this oh, morning. Man, check that out. She dove. She's come running. Yeah. She dived like you're sliding into right, home base. Right, Out. She got the gold. <gasps> So apparently, it was like in a hurdle thing, or was it? No, no. it was like it was a 400 meter dash. I can't keep track. That's the other thing. We're like, there's so many 100, 200, 800, 400 hurdle, this and that. And then all those have heats. So yeah. we're always like, every every time a race starts, we're like, is this one we need to care about or not? Well, when I you, don't know. I was doing that last night too. And then when I would see the runners kind of just casually yeah. like go across I'm like okay this must be right a right but yeah no, but then yours would be like why aren't they slowing why are they slowing down like because they know they're in it's yeah good. that's true that's true no but I do want to go back and see the lady uh she was from the U.S. Huh. but she literally like do- slid into the well good for her apparently that's legal like you, you can just gotta get over there as long as that as long as you're not impeding the oh, uh, yeah. path of another runner but just think like if you're running that race you have nine full lanes, right? And the person next to you makes a dive like that. That would freak me out. Yeah, you're not for sure. That. For sure. So, I mean, there's a certain yeah. amount of like the psyche now. Like we were having a conversation about some of the styles of um, the, especially the female runners, but even some of the male runners. Some of you know they have the create some of the really interesting, unique 
hairstyles, which oh, I think the hair color, are, yeah, yeah. and they're exhibiting their personality. But I said, you know, there's got to be a certain amount of sort of psyching each other out with that too and mm-hmm. it's almost the how outrageous or and not necessarily outrageous but like the one lady from Jamaica her hair is like half green and yellow yeah mm-hmm. and it's like that's got a sort of it catches your eye and it maybe distracts you if you're you know competing against her it could be if she's way ahead yeah I certainly <laughs> think there's an aspect of that and hey you know it's more than just the physical it's the mental aspect but these athletes are pretty impressive so well, we talked about the olympics and the olympic village last week and there were some good posts on facebook about that so if you're interested go and check that out another topic that we've been talking a lot about is pokemon as i like to say have your kids gotten into pokemon yet um, my oldest son was into Pokemon almost 20 years ago. Right, but as the, the but new My youngest one, no, no. Well, no. we were starting to talk about this right before we went on air because my friend Wes, uh, shout out Wes Lasher, um, just posted on my Facebook, my business Facebook page, I think, um, suggesting a new approach to selling homes. And it's a meme that says, why should we buy this house? And the realtor says, there are two Pokestops, a gym, and someone caught a Mewtwo around the corner <laughs> i don't know what any of that means that's one of the that's one of the characters well somebody uh a friend another friend carmela posted she said i'll teach you how to set a lure if we get to hang around and collect them i have no idea what any of that means either so i'm trying to play along in this conversation and so then i asked her if it would bring people to to my open house and she said it might bring people but they might not be pre-approved for mortgages <laughs> and I said, that's fine, because any exposure is good exposure. And so now I'm coining the term as pokey exposure. Oh, so that's it'll, hilarious. It'll be a new marketing uh, a marketing venture, pokey exposure. How can you get pokey exposure? So if anybody has any suggestions on that, please let me know, because I'm still completely in the dark about how. Although I have to say, I was showing a house on Saturday in, in a neighborhood. Rain. In the rain. In the rain. In a neighborhood. And there was a boy who looked like he was maybe 11. And a woman who looked like she was his grandmother. And they were walking just down the street in this neighborhood. Like in the street, not on the sidewalk, in the street. And had a cell phone in their hand. <laughs> and, I, and my client got out of the car. And I and he's all concerned about the house. And I'm like, are those people doing that Pokemon thing? And he was like, I have no idea what you're saying. And I'm like, okay. So I don't know. If, are they, are the, what are the things you're catching in Pokemon? They're, they're called Pokemon. Okay, so the different little Pokemons that you're trying to catch. Yes, and they all have different names. Are they out in neighborhoods? Because you see like... Yeah, we should do a field trip oh. when you're not showing houses and it's not raining. Right. But one of us, not me, will download the app and then we'll just kind of walk around and and try and catch them all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, because like, I know like in Indianapolis I've seen video of people in certain locations and there's literally hundreds of people. Yeah. Trying to catch them. Yeah. In public locations. Absolutely. Right. And then you have to catch them before the other person catches them. I guess I need to make a field trip around all my listings and we see could, what we could get what, a, I, what Pokemon thingies exist around all those listings. You could do that. But this is a good way to get your 10,000 steps in a day. It's That's to true. run around and... I actually shoot for 15,000. Well, I don't even shoot for any. <laughs> so I have, I have woefully uh, fallen short the past two days with a new addition in my household. So being a little bit uh, distracted. Is with. it just a foster or are you planning on keeping? No. Oh, we are now Albert. a three dog household. That's sweet. Yes. So we have added Albert to our household. I believe his owner is 87 years old and... 
was uh, fell critically ill and um, is in the hospital, and so they needed to rehome poor little Albert, who's seven years old. So it's been an interesting few days. He's a good dog, but he's not used to being around other dogs, and they all seem to get along, but they don't really know what to do with each other. Well, they all three look alike in the pictures now, so I have to see him in person. Albert has a little Pekingese in him, so he has the, is it underbite? His bottom teeth stick out. That's so cute. It's, it's a little <laughs> disturbing at first because they really <laughs> jut out pretty badly. But um, like I said, he's a sweet dog. So I suppose we should talk about real estate things, not puppies for the entire hour. What do you think? Yeah. Because okay. this is part two. This it is, is part two. of last week. I wasn't sure if you would know what we were talking about this week because usually I send you an email and I say, hey, this is what we're talking about. I did not do that this week. So no. I thought maybe you were walking in. No, like, unless you changed it up. I did not change okay. it up. So last week we started talking about rental properties and specifically we had a great interview with Rachel um, about how she came to own rental property. It was her first home and she ended up buying a duplex. And then we also talked about some financing ins and outs of rental properties. So today I thought we would talk a little bit more about numbers and then my 10 commandments of rentals. Hopefully we'll get through all 10. I know. Uh, it's pretty exciting. So just a brief recap. I do own, oh gosh, I've lost count. I haven't counted recently. Maybe uh, by the end of this month, I will own about 25 rental units. Um, uh, Eurus and I own them and some of them are in various stages of rehab, but we've been in the rental business. He's been in it longer than I have. Uh, so he's been in the rental business for probably 15 years. And, and when I came in the picture about 10 years ago, then I got into the rental business as well. So we're fairly well experienced. Um, but I'll say that we're experienced in our world, in our filter. Meaning, you know, we do rentals how we want to do rentals. And I'm a big fan of what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. Mm-hmm. One of my big challenges is when someone walks into my office, says, I want to get into, I want to buy some rentals. And maybe they're an existing investor and they already own property. Or maybe they are new and want to get into the business. But what they invariably say is, I just want the numbers to work. Well, what does that mean to that yeah, person? Exactly, exactly. So that's my point. I really struggle with this because it means something different to different people. Um, I'm not the one as the realtor. I'm not the one who has to live with the property or live with the numbers or live with the finances. And so a couple of things. One, this is a really good reason why you want, if you're trying to get into rental properties and investment properties, that you work to build a good relationship with a solid realtor who will kind of come to understand your numbers. Um, I have a few clients. I don't have a ton because I don't want to get into a situation where all my investors, you know, there's one one new listing comes up and I have right. five, six, seven, eight, ten investors who are diving at it. Um, but it's good to have a few investors because everybody goes through periods of time where they're not acquiring property. Um, but to have a good relationship with them so that I can look and go, yep, that kind of fits the business model of this investor Mm -hmm. um, or that may not work for that investor. Um, But still at the end of the day, I will provide the numbers. I will dig deep to get all of the numbers, but I won't crunch the numbers. Most of my investors have their own spreadsheets. So I give them the numbers and then they plug them into their spreadsheet to see if it works for them. And I think the good investors, you know, they're the ones that come back and they go, ah, it doesn't quite work 
or I need, I would need it to be at this purchase price for it to work for my numbers. Uh, and they typically don't really divulge that spreadsheet either because it's sort of, you know, Oh, it's a masterpiece if, if you are a spreadsheet user, yes. as my husband is. Yes. I mean, he won't share that either with other people. Yeah. I mean, with the actual numbers and all of that in there. But um, the setup in itself is almost ingenious. But I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but what if I'm a first-time rent or, you know, I mm-hmm. want to buy a rental unit. Would you help anybody try to figure out what, what their main goal is like what at the end of the day what yeah. are they looking to do would you go that step or would you anecdotally or shall we say qualitatively yes okay but not quantitatively meaning and we're going to talk about sort of what different purposes are for having um, rental properties what are the different reasons that people get into having rental properties um, and I will certainly help people kind of think through that and understand that um, and can point you in the right direction but I'm not I'm not going to be your accountant. I don't think that's appropriate um, for my for my background. You know, my level of expertise. Right. I think your accountant is your accountant. If you have an investment advisor, then that should be that person. I'm I'm part of that team, um, and I think any good uh, investor is going to have a realtor as part of their team. So let's talk a little bit more when we come back from break on some resources for thinking through numbers and what that looks like um, and what are the reasons that people get into rental properties. And then we'll get into Deb's 10 commandments for having rentals. So stick around. We will be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Real Real Estate Today. I can't say that very fast because it all gets run together. That's my Indiana slang. I'm not from Indiana. I'm originally from California. Spent a little bit of time in Texas, but my dad says I talk like... You're from Indiana. From Indiana, right? Yeah. (laughs) Now, my dad grew up in California, and then but has lived the last 20 years in Texas. And he doesn't really talk like he's from Texas, except he has a few things. Dad, turn the radio off right now. He has a few things he says that drives me crazy, like theater instead of theater. How does he say creek? He says creek. Okay. Yeah, but it's just theater. Okay. Italian. Italian? Mm-hmm. And uh, cafe. Oh, that's fancy. I don't know. I know. Yeah. It's weird. I always think of Nescafe. Yeah, my dad grew up in Indiana and lived here all his life, besides when he was in the military traveling. But he always said the word creek as mm-hmm. crick. Crick, yeah. Which I, I did he wash or did he wash? There was an R. Yeah, there, there was a wash. Mm-hmm. And is it motorcycle instead of motorcycle? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I should have asked him. And he this, owned one back before all of us kids. Right. Uh-huh. Those are not things I say, but when I start to, it can run together and get real gibberishy sometimes. So real real estate today probably was not <laughs> the greatest idea of show name, but I already own the domain, so it made sense to me. So real real estate today. Uh, your home for smart real estate. What were we talking about? Rentals. Oh, I was going to say something, and this is going to sound a little lofty, but I was doing some uh, education this morning. You know, I mentor some new agents, and so I try to do a little bit of, you know, whether it's a webinar or something, food for thought, that we can kind of get together and watch and think about. And the, the beginning of this webinar that we were watching said that the highest value of a real estate professional is to educate their customers and to help them make better choices. And that's really the gist of what I was trying to say at the end of the last, you know, bit before break when I was saying you need to, if you want to get into real estate investing and rental properties, you want to develop a relationship with a realtor and someone you trust is going to give you good advice and and, um, help you think through. I don't want to say I guide you because I really don't. I'll guide you through the process, the purchasing process to make sure you hit all the steps, but I'm not going to guide you in one direction on how to, you know, on what properties to purchase. I remember that saying and that you said a while, just a while back, that always sticks with me now, that you want to be a resource, not the source. Right. So I think that holds true with a lot of us in this profession is we'll give you all the information that we have access to so that you can go and make an informed decision for yourself. Right, because ultimately you're the one who has to live with it. So um, I've asked Rachel to repost a link that she posted last week um, from one of uh, one of my favorite websites. There's so much information there. It can maybe be a little bit overwhelming, but it's called Bigger Pockets, And it's a website I recommend you visit if you're seriously considering investing in real estate. It's got great activity and good message boards to help you learn from others. Um, just don't fall for all those get-rich-quick schemes. You know, there, there are no get-rich-quick schemes in rentals, too. Remember, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, the article that she is going to repost is, I think, 35 pages long. I had vowed to read it in detail between the last show and this show. 
How'd that go? How'd that work out for well, you? Well, then I got a third dog. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that didn't happen. But the the article goes over multiple ways that investment properties can be evaluated. And it's the technical math side of things, um, which I think is, you know, I love math. I, I'm, math is your friend. I feel strongly about that. But I'm not going to tell you how to do math because uh, I think that would probably make for pretty boring radio. Uh, I'm probably not very useful. I probably need a whiteboard. I should do a YouTube video. You should. I should. No, I probably won't do that. Um, Add that to your repertoire. There you go. Um, But my point is that there's multiple ways to measure the viability and the success of investment properties. So the first step when you're trying to figure out, you know, how to measure, how do I look at a rental property and know that it's a good deal, is you need to understand why you're buying it. That sounds really silly and simplistic. But now you and, and your husband, Tony, at one point in time had tossed around the idea of yes. buying another property, right? Yes. And what was your purpose for that? Our purpose was if our oldest son was going to be attending IU, that once he was out of the dorms, because they make you live in the dorm the first year, that he could live in this property with some roommates and it kind of pay for itself mm-hmm. type of thing. Yep. And then what was your end game? Our end game was we talked to a very... Uh, wise realtor <laughs> who happens to be sitting across from me. Uh-huh. And Don't forget pretty. It was, yes, and very, very pretty. Mm-hmm. We, I think we waited too long. I mean, we should have started this while he was still in high school mm-hmm. just so that, you know, the way our market is with rentals and mm-hmm. when to get in and leases expiring and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up not going to IU. So what was your purpose was to break even to our purpose was to fund his education that no to the (laughs) latter our purpose was to have him essentially having his housing paid for Mm -hmm. by by having roommates and yeah and did you think you would then sell it when he graduated we hadn't thought that far but I I believe so unless we had any other family members coming through the university Um, so that's very popular we live in a university town Indiana University did you know that if the Hoosiers Indiana Hoosiers were a country we would be what 12th in the medal count in the Olympics something like yeah they keep saying that (laughs) yeah we're very proud of that I'm sure there are other universities that are probably doing better than we are in the medal count but we're very proud of it go swimming mostly Um, so very popular in my town room and board is pricey and even in, in apartments, it can be six, seven hundred dollars a bedroom for some of the apartments. Mm-hmm. So you can certainly find some options um, and get roommates to help cover the mortgage and break even. Um, but at the end of the day, most parents want to sell when the kids are done with school and they are content if they break even. And that's an important thing to think about too, because that will factor in. There are some condos around here that don't have great appreciation, but if you're okay with breaking even when you go to sell, then that's fine. But those are all things that you need to think about and factor in if that's what your option is, or that's what your purpose is for getting into rental properties. And some people are getting in for cash flow; they want immediate income, you know, enough to quit your job. I don't know about that. Supplement your job, you know. And I think that's what Rachel, if you remember what she was talking about. Now, she was heavily influenced by her mother, I think, and her realtor. Uh, Rachel, you can post on Facebook if that was not correct, uh, in terms of purchasing a, an income-generating property. Uh, her cash flow was going to pay her mortgage, but that was her goal, was to purchase something that would have an immediate cash flow. Um, and so for a lot of people, that's it. Certainly, there are people... 
that um, look to build it as a business. And one of the things I want to say, help me make sure that I say this 50 times in the next half hour or so, is that rentals are a business. You need to look at it like it's a business. You need to treat it like it's a business. Uh, it's not a hobby. It's not just a incidental income, which I think I'll, sometimes that's what happens. You have a house, you can't sell it. Say, well, I'll just rent it. It's sort of incidental income, and it's never really treated like a business, and that never really ends up working out in I was the end. Say, no, because then, you know, if you have a rental, and like you were saying last week, once you build up your number of units and you actually have a team of people, so when something happens in the middle of the night yeah. or on the weekend, that that's under control and it's not you having to go out there on a right. Sunday night at 11 p.m. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, how it takes a village. Um, some people are looking for not necessarily immediate income, but certainly future income. Um, you know, I think that's a little bit of where we're coming from. Uh, with our rental properties, because we're both self-employed. We don't have pensions. We don't have 401ks. And so this is our future income that at some point we will both want to stop working 80 hours a week or more. And this will be our income, you know, to supplement, to live the grand lifestyle that... Of a retired realtor. A retired realtor with way too many dogs. Um, I have a client right now who is actually, I thought this was really interesting. He's a stay-at-home dad for about 10 years. I used to work with him a million years ago up in Indianapolis. Um, and he's looking to own a business. as his, He's got his twins, and they're 10 years old. And so as they get older, then he's looking to open a business, start a business. He has his, and his wife have looked at traditional businesses. They've actually looked at like buying a printing company, you know, or various franchises. They've done the research. They've gone in. They've, you know, tried to enter into agreements and things like that. But they're also exploring the idea of building a rental business. And that that really made me happy. One, because they might use me as a realtor. But two, um, because they're looking at it like it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, you know, I got infatuated with an idea on something on HGTV. And the income guy, who's that guy? The income, the income, income property, property. Income property guy is cute. So, hey, let me get into this business or something. Um, so anyways, you know, there may or may not be immediate cash flow. A lot of times when you start a business, any business, it can take a few years to build up your cash flow and to get it all functioning. Um, but it's a legitimate business and that's what they're looking at. So you could be immediate income or you could be looking at cash flow with future income would be your goal. Another one, which I don't think too many people do, is appreciation. That you may not be about cash flow as much as um, a long-term proposition um, that you'll see appreciation. You know, the tenant covers your um, your costs to hold the property, and you know you're in an area where real estate appreciates pretty well. In that case, you know you really do need to be selective about where you are buying. I think there's certainly certain areas of town that are going to appreciate better than others. So if your goal is to take advantage of appreciation, um, you know, certainly in other parts of the country, they have more drastic swings in appreciation. Um, that's a higher risk. You you might have a higher uh, appreciation, but you also may suffer depreciation at times too. Here in uh, uh, southern Indiana, we're a little slow and steady. So we're safe. We're like savings bond or something like that so <laughs> you'll see some appreciation it's not going to be overnight so that is certainly the uh the tortoise uh, instead of the hare 
Another thing that another reason that people will invest in rental properties is diversification in terms of just their overall investment strategy. And I have some investors who do that as well. Um, I have an investor who's a, a CPA and he's very knowledgeable. So I never ask him about his numbers because I figure if he doesn't know how to work his numbers. Um, but it's interesting because I think I see him from time to time. I won't hear from him for a while or I'll say, you know, we're not really looking to buy anything. And then something will happen and he'll be like, OK, I'm ready to buy something. And, you know, I'm sure it has something to do with his other portfolios and just trying to keep everything balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is why I'm not the person to advise you on that. Um, but if you come to me and you say, OK, my portfolio says it's time for me to diversify and add some real estate holdings, then I will certainly help do that as well. So those are the reasons. Now, if you go to that big, long 35-page article from Bigger Pockets, you will um, then go to your next step. So first step is to understand your reasons on why you are buying and what your goal is. And then you're going to want to understand um, a little bit about how you choose to measure the numbers. And there's different ways to do that. There's measures of income and there's measures of return. And this is the stuff I didn't want to talk about on radio because it's pretty boring. Um, But it's definitely in the article. And I'll try and pull out some of the paragraphs that I think are really important too. And we can post that up as well. But, you know, you can measure cash flow and you can measure net operating income. You can measure cap rate. You can measure cash on cash. I swear I've had investor clients who are very, very savvy and each one has used a different method. So a part of that is what your end game is, again, uh, understanding what that is. Um, so understand what your purpose is. Understand how you want to measure the number. Determine what a good number is. And what's important to understand on that is that some of these articles that we read, like they talk about a cap rate. A cap rate is going to be different for different parts of the country. The numbers are just going to be different in different cities because rents are different um, and uh, and cost of doing business is different. So you need to understand that and understand what it is for your location. And then again, I'm just going to end this segment on saying this is a business. And if you really seriously want to get into rental properties and be successful at it, you need to treat it as a business, which is having a business plan, having a budget, having separate accounts, all that good stuff. When we come back, the next two segments, we're going to talk about my 10 commandments for rental properties. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for 
you with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are talking about rental properties and everything you need to know. We've got two segments left to get through Deb's 10 Commandments of Rental Properties. So we are going to talk fast and furious and perhaps lobby for a two-hour show because I'm not confident I'm going to make it. I'm going to try and write this write this out as a blog post or something, though, because I think it's probably some good information. So uh, 10 Commandment. Commandment number one, don't be greedy. This mostly goes for rents, um, you know, And I'm going to tell you how I do things with my rental properties, and you can choose to do things differently. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means whatsoever, but, you know, when I'm looking for tenants, I'm looking for long-term tenants, Um, and I feel like if I'm greedy and overcharged, then, uh, you know, I'm pushing my luck. Um, But if I'm fair and, you know, my goal is to provide reasonable housing, you know, clean, safe housing for working class people. And some people are going to go high end uh, rentals and some people are going to go even, you know, more affordable rentals than what I do. So, but in general, I think your philosophy should be don't be greedy. How do you know the right amount of rent to charge? Do you ever have anybody ask you that? Just thinking that you know things because you're in the banking business? No. I mean, no one's asked me that, but I know when I've done investment properties in that appraisal, we have to get the analysis mm-hmm. for what rents are going yep. in that area. And how do they, you rely on the appraisers I for rely that? rely on the appraiser yeah. for that. So. There's no real easy answer for that. You know, mostly I'm going to just say it's research. Now, what's interesting, and I want people to understand this, in some markets, rental properties are typically represented by realtors, especially in big cities, New York and Chicago and places like that. Um, and so renting a property is very similar to buying a property and that you find a realtor and then they do searches and they take you out and they show you property and that sort of thing. But in many markets, especially smaller markets, but markets like here, that is not necessarily the case. It's sometimes the case. And so what it creates is this... There is not a centralized repository for locating rental properties, and therefore it's very difficult, A, for tenants to find you, but B, uh, for you to do your research. You have to hit multiple websites, and it's Craigslist, avoid the scams, um, contacting or property management websites. We have a lot of property management companies here in Bloomington, so visiting all those different websites and seeing what they're renting properties out for. Um, we have some local rental um websites as well that you can go to. So you have to just sort of do your research, but make sure too that you're comparing your rental by similar locations, similar schools, size and amenities, what utilities are included and all of that. Um, Eventually it becomes second nature. 
Um, I feel like I've been doing it long enough. I kind of look at a house and go, ah, it's 1200 Yeah. You know, I just know. Uh, you know, I would rent it for this much. Um, but if you, as you're trying to learn, yeah, you are going to certainly have to do some research on that. But having a reasonable rent is one of the ways to prevent a home from sitting empty. So that's that's really important to do. So don't be greedy. Commandment number one. Commandment number two, stay involved in your rental property. This is probably the biggest reason that people get stressed out about their rentals and the biggest reason why their rental business fails. Um, Staying involved in your rental property means driving by it on a regular basis. Sometimes there are things going on that you don't want to know about and that you don't want to deal with, but you need to and you have to. So drive by them. Um, It probably means you're going to need to stay local. And I know that a lot of people, that's not how they get into the rental business. My uncle was in the Air Force for uh, 25 years or something and lived all over the world. And it seemed like every time he moved somewhere, he'd buy a house, he had four kids, and then they would move and they would just keep it as a rental. So he's had, he's lived in Arkansas. I'm trying to remember this now. Arkansas, several places in California, the Philippines, got evacuated from the Philippines on an aircraft carrier with their like family pets and the kids because Mount Pinatubo was erupting and they had to like leave with the clothes on their back. Then they went to Alaska. So they've been all over the world. Basically he's had a rental property in Spokane, Washington that whole time. So you're in the Philippines and you're managing a rental property in Spokane, Washington. I guess he made it work. Yeah. Does he stress me out? He doesn't use a property manager. I don't know how that works. (laughs) I don't either. Who showed the place? I don't even know. Um, there could have been just like a key under the doormat. Something, yeah. Um, and I think he still has a house in Alaska as well. And he may have had one in California in, in Merced or somewhere for quite some time. Um, to me, that's super stressful because you don't really know what's going on. And you remember Rachel telling the story of she was on vacation in like North Carolina and she gets a call about her rental property that, uh, what was it? The, they smelled gas and the electric is off or something. Right. And then there was some problem, or they smelled smoke. They smelled smoke and they were having electrical issues, and she's not there to deal with it in person. Um, to me, that's super stressful. I even had properties up in Indianapolis at one point in time, and I've been about an hour, hour and a half from Indianapolis. Mm, stressful. You just don't know what's going on up there. You need to have a presence, and you need to protect your asset. It's $100,000, $200,000. Would you just loan someone that money, $100,000? And let them do whatever they want with it and then come back three years later? Probably not. So you need to think about that. You need to stay involved. You need to stay uh, where you can take care of that. Now, some people are going to choose to use a property manager to keep an eye on the property. Um, and that's probably a whole other uh, That goes show. back to the last segment, which is what's your purpose? What's your business plan? Yeah, because property managers can certainly cut into your cash flow. Um, you know, they're probably going to take anywhere from 8 to 15% of the rents every month. Um, they can certainly relieve some stress, too. I have property manager stories, I could tell. Um, so that may be one way if you're not local. But, um, you know, and I think, too, staying local uh, or staying involved in your rental property is understanding what the value is and if the value is drastically changing and if it's, you know, in a completely different country, then that's a little bit tricky to do. So my opinion on that. All right. uh, Number three commandment, uh, rental commandment. Don't get desperate. This is a big one. Don't get desperate. Be able to, and I ask my clients this, 
How long can you comfortably carry? If you have a mortgage, now Dave Ramsey's going to tell you, don't buy a rental house with a mortgage. Save up cash and mm-hmm. then buy it. I'm down with that. We have some properties that are paid for, and it's great. You know, it's, it is certainly much less stressful if it's not rented. Uh, you know, I don't make money this month, but it's not costing me a ton of money. But we have mortgages too. And, you know, I ask my clients, B, are you, how long are you able to comfortably carry the payment and the carrying costs? Because it's not just the mortgage payment, but there's taxes and insurance, lawn care, utilities, um, all that. Can, how long can you carry both of those? I think the rule of thumb should be six months. Mm-hmm. As a lender, you or probably even, think the same. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that if it were me going into it, I would want more than six months. Really? I mean, personally, just to have that safe, that that feeling of some security that, okay, I've got all that set aside in the event it's not rented out or my tenants aren't paying. Right. I don't want the stress because six months may or not, may not find a solution to whatever right. the problem is. You know, that's a good point. It's not just, is it not rented? Because you do have a little bit of control over that, but you may get in a situation where your tenants stop paying. Mm-hmm. And uh, Indiana and a lot of states are very tenant friendly, which is great for the tenants. I think it's important that people are protected, but they make it very difficult to evict people. I know here, if you file as a landlord, if you file for eviction, unless you can prove it's an emergency, and their definition of emergency is like the house is burning down, um, then you have to wait for a court date, which could be two months out. So they're just going to, there's nothing you can do for two months. And then you have the court date and then the court might give them 30 days to get out. So, I mean, you're still going to be without um, rent for quite some time, even though you have it technically rented and you can certainly try to recoup those those costs, but good luck with that. My point with don't get desperate is here's what happens because it happens every time it's happened to me. Uh, You think I got to get this place rented. I've got a mortgage payment. Someone comes up. They know how the game works. They wave a bunch of cash in your face. So look, I have security deposit. I have first month rent right here. Cash. Let's go. I'll move in tomorrow. Don't worry about replacing the carpets. Don't worry about cleaning the house. I'll take care of all of it. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. But and you just say, okay, th- I have two thumbs up. <laughs> I, get, I, I got my mortgage payment. Move yeah. in. Right. Two months later, there was a reason for that. It was a please don't check my application because I've been evicted six times. Uh-huh. or a multitude of other reasons. But when you get desperate, you just kind of grab the first person that comes along. It may not mm-hmm. be a great fit for the tenant. Um, it's going to create problems down the road. So don't get desperate. Have some money set aside. Uh, number four, carry out your plan. There's an article I think Rachel's going to put up on on uh, Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, you should open it up and follow along as we uh, are doing the show. Um and uh, five success principles of rental property investing. And there's some good information in here, but I was reading this article just sort of for inspiration as I was doing show prep. And they said, carry out your plan. I said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was saying. So this person writes, and I think this article is affiliated with that Bigger Pockets website that I was talking about. Uh, so this, this writer says, I often talk about having a real estate plan and compare investing in real estate without a plan to the act of driving across the country without a roadmap. Probably true. Uh, Hopefully you've built some sort of plan for yourself and have some kind of goal as to where you want to get to. However, having a plan is not enough. Now you need to carry it out. He recommends reviewing your goals on a daily basis and monitoring your progress on a monthly basis. In other words, if your goal is to achieve a million dollars in net worth, where are you right now? 
and keeping track of that. And we certainly do that. We have a spreadsheet. I update it every few months with how much equity is in the homes, what we owe on all the various properties. I know she laughs at me because I'm not typically a spreadsheet person, but this is a business. And so we have a mm-hmm. spreadsheet and I actually keep it on the fridge um, because it, there's some inspiration on there for right. us too. Cause it mm-hmm. says, here's where we're trying to get to. And, you know, and so some days when you're kind of like, I don't want to deal with this there, you can deal, uh, you know, it gives you some inspiration. Uh, and this writer also points out that your plan will likely change during your career as it should, life happens. It throws a curveball into your plan. Kids are bored. Natural disasters happen. Your physical abilities slow down. Don't we know that? And increasing knowledge of your own mortality can play a role in your plan as well. However, and we've all heard this, a goal without a plan is just a wish. So even if that plan changes, keep working your plan and don't give up. So that is huge. Uh, we are going to go to one last break and see if we can get through the last six commandments. Pretty sure we can't, but we're going to try. So stick around and we'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to our final segment. We are going to talk fast and try and get through these Deb's 10 commandments of having rental properties because we're on number five. So number five, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Gosh, I think I say that pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article goes for, or this goes for rentals. If you're looking and trying to evaluate a rental situ- you know, property in terms of the numbers, but it also goes for tenants. Um, Rachel's going to put up an article on uh, landlord horror stories. And if you Google landlord horror stories, there's probably a million websites out there. So then, let me just say this, uh, to offset, I tried Googling landlord success stories, and there are a few out there, too. Okay. So I'm not trying to make this all, like, negative and dissuade you. I think uh, last week I told the story about, I was telling a friend of mine that my next show was going to be about rental properties, and she said, are you for or against them? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't realize it was like a political thing where I had to be for or against something. Um, so I don't want to sound like I'm against them because I'm certainly not. Obviously, I'm in them and, and I work them. Um, but I think you need to approach them like a business, shockingly. Uh, there was a story in here um, on the real uh, landlord horror stories. When you seriously dodged a bullet, this whole, if it looks good, too good to be true, it is. Uh, this person says, I bought my very first investment property in 2008. It was a house with an upstairs suite and a basement suite. Uh, I think the person, the owner, was living upstairs. Uh, my first good applicant for the basement suite worked in construction and had wonderful references. I offered him the suite and he ex- accepted. Uh, the next day he told me uh, he wouldn't be able to take the suite since he decided to move to be closer to his children. Five months later, she was watching the news and a man had held his former girlfriend, the mother of his children, captive in a cabin in the woods for five days. She escaped and ran for safety. The man who kidnapped her was the man that she had offered the basement suite to five months earlier. I had something similar. I had a gentleman come through and want to rent one of my houses. And he actually was trying to get me to scam uh, the housing authority. He was a Section 8 tenant and did not, and I kept saying this house doesn't qualify for Section 8. The rent's too high because it's, you know, a bigger home. And he said, well, if I pay you for the utilities under the table, then we can make the numbers work. And I was like, I'm not going to scam the housing authority. And so obviously did not rent to him. Three months later... Mugshot in the newspaper. Yeah, he killed a guy. Get out. He like murdered a guy for his ATV. I was like, holy smokes. So anyways, if it looks good, too good to be true, it probably is. Number six, we alluded to this earlier. Have a village. It takes a village to own rental properties. So who is your village? Um, you know, it's honestly, it's the little repairs that stress me out. It's not, you know, I've got the plumber in my village. I've got the HVAC in my village. Got really good people. Find a plumber and an HVAC company who don't charge after hours or weekends. They are out there. Roto-Rooter is the local one. They do a phenomenal job. I use Bell Heating and Cooling. Those are my shout-outs to them. Um, and, and that's great because then I never have to have the decision about, is this something that can wait till Monday or not? Right. I just call and say go and then get they fix it. Um, that's definitely helped. But it's some of the little stuff you know, the carpentry things and the window that won't open. It's like, who do you call for that? That can get really tricky Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find, you know, good handy people. Um, But work on that, develop those relationships, pay your vendors really quickly. That's a a little tidbit I'll offer up that I make sure um, I make it a top priority to pay my vendors as quickly as possible so that they want to keep working for me. Um, But even having a legal team, is helpful. If you can't afford an attorney, then you probably don't want to be in the rental business. Um, usually you can handle things yourself, but every once in a while you need to call someone in. I got into a situation with a tenant who didn't uh, move in 
and wanted her security deposit back and she had a binding lease and it became a whole big thing and she started to make some threats against me and it started to stress me out and then I thought, wait a minute, I have an attorney and I just turned the whole thing over to the attorney. It's written in my lease that I can recoup attorney's fees. So I have... um, and, you know, that has certainly alleviated a lot of stress as well. So start to assemble your village. When I started in the rental properties, I did not have a village. And it was very stressful for me. Um, and I honestly think that's a big difference between now and 10 years ago in terms of me being open. And Did and you run out to a property with a tool belt and have to, like, jump in there I and fix a leaky faucet? I have replaced the innards in the back of toilets and things like that, yes. Very uh, impressed. Yeah. Deb. I don't know that I could do it anymore. I've done it before, but um, but anyways. So have a village, develop a village, keep your village happy. Oh my goodness, um, that was a comment on time. Okay, number seven. Know your local and state rules here in Bloomington. We, if you're inside the city limits, you have to be licensed by the city to have a rental property. You need to understand what those rules are if that applies in your area. Um, if you're looking at buying a condo, you need to make sure they allow rentals, and if they have rules on that, I know some condo villages will allow rentals for a short period of time. Some will say that they have to approve the tenant's lease. So there's lots of rules with that. Know your laws. No um, wh- uh, equal housing um, rules. Those are important. Uh, make sure that you know, you know what your uh, rules are regarding security deposits and that sort of thing. There are a lot of rules and you want to make sure you understand them. Because the tenants who are, uh, most tenants are really good tenants, but the ones who are out to get you, they know the rules. So you need to make sure you know them better than the tenants. I think this is a huge one. Number eight, remember that your tenants are your customers. Um, so it goes two ways. Um, I've certainly seen a lot of property managers who don't treat tenants like customers. They always have sort of a contentious relationship with the tenants and think that the tenants are out to get them. Uh, and I think if you treat your tenants as customers, you'll get uh, get a lot further in life. I always look for win-win solutions. So if I have a tenant who's behind on rent and they're communicating with me, um, you know, we certainly look for a win-win way to get through that. Number nine, don't be lazy like me. Keep good records. I'm doing much better. Here's a little trick. Um, I do have separate bank accounts. I always have for the rental properties. um, And I keep my security deposits completely separate from my operating account. But I also use Google Docs so that on my phone, on a computer, wherever I am, if I uh, have a bill or even if I'm like at the hardware store and I buy some bug spray for a house, I can stop what I'm doing. I sit in the car and I record it onto Google Docs with what property it's for um, because at tax time, trust me, I still haven't filed my 2015 taxes <laughs> because I've got to do all the rental property stuff and I didn't start doing Google Docs until this year. So keep really good records. Um, that makes a huge, huge difference. And number 10 commandment for rentals, get out before it gets bad. Um Know when it is too much for you and exit. Don't wait until the end. I have a friend who owned a lot of rental properties. He pretty much violated most of these uh, commandments. <laughs> he did not, even though all of his properties were local, he didn't stay, you know, he did not drive by them. He didn't stay involved in them. He put his trust in people that he probably shouldn't have put his trust in. He was desperate because he had so many and had to make the payments. He took the first tenants that came along. Um, on and on and on and on, and he lost every single one of them to oh foreclosure, gosh. every single one. And I believe his father-in-law was an a investor in it with him, so not good for the family. So get out before it gets bad. If you sense it's not working for you, sell them, try something else. 
I'm going to try and put as much of that information up online as I can because I know I went through the last of that pretty quickly. If anybody has any questions about rental properties, you're welcome to contact me anytime through Twitter, through Facebook. You can message me on Facebook. You can email me. It's deb at realrealestatetoday.com. I'm always happy to answer any questions like that for you. Uh, Point you in the right direction, give you my opinion. Thank you for joining me today, Karen, and getting through this. And... uh, your your, uh, your input and your feedback is always always welcome. So that is it for today. Thank you for listening. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. We will be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.